lot of times I'll write the stimulus on the board when I write it on the board. You guys may know who writes the words on the board. <laughs> By the way, they look maybe maybe not, but um, I'll write that stuff on there and like so I try to tell you what like, what you're looking for in this workout, not not just to get it done RX. You're gonna have to spend a little bit of your own time. That, that's number one. We will give you the textbook. The coaches will give you the textbook. You have to read and study it. In other words, you're gonna have to go and actually spend a little bit of extra time on your own. Welcome back, guys, to the Building Better People podcast. This is your host, Charlie Lima. Got two awesome friends and uh, fellow coaches here in the room, Chris Rea, Ken Jackson. We're gonna actually change things up today. We're gonna talk a little bit about how to approach workouts. We're gonna talk a little bit about how to prevent injury and just overall how to sustain this constantly varied functional movement execute at high intensity over a long period of time, especially as you uh, age, right? So you've got three men in the room, myself, 35, Ken's 47. And Let's take that. <laughs> that sounds good. And yeah. Chris, it, how old are you, Ken? You're pretty close to it. 48? Maybe. And Chris is 41. I'm counting anymore. So, um, okay, guys, thank you all for coming. Um, let's go. We're just going to do a kind of fast track uh, CrossFit We'll call it story. So when you started, um, how long you've been doing CrossFit? And um, tell me maybe if you've had any uh, major injury, and we won't unpack that yet, but I just kind of want to dive into each one of those. So Chris, why don't you start us out? Sure. Yeah, Chris Rea. Um, I've been doing CrossFit since 2010, summer of 2010. So we're almost about seven years now. In fact, it, it, it'll be my anniversary of CrossFit for my first CrossFit workout. Um, later, later this month, um, have had an injury. I pr probably most the uh, most people listening are familiar with it because I use it as a teaching point in my classes. But dislocated my elbow the first year I competed in the BCS Classic, um, doing a snatch. Ken, uh, I've been doing this, I guess eight years plus, a little over eight years. Uh, I've had both shoulders. Well, not totally reconstructed. The right shoulder was a, the slap tear, labrum, uh, rotator cuff, bicep tendon reattachment, bone spur shaved off since they were in there. They were like, oh, let's just fix this. Uh, bicep tendon reattached, of course, because they got to cut all that. And then the left shoulder was a lot more minor. It was just a bicep tendon, bone spur shaving, and I think it was a small tear in the labrum. Uh, none of which were CrossFit related. It was previous stuff that had those injuries so for me i've been crossfitting since 2008 um started in uh may 2008 at my level one cert and i faced some injuries in 2010 kind of through 2012 low back pain never had surgery never really had any um anything more than just a lot of pain and uh, and I'll dive into that a little bit but now kind of talking about each one of these athletes each one of these coaches um, if, you've, if you've seen them work out at the gym obviously you know they still work out um, they've come back from these injuries and so our purpose and our goal with this podcast is to educate you and those people that are listening and uh, hopefully prevent you <laughs> from having the injuries that you had so what I want to dive into first is how each of us got hurt um, just because I think that you know there's there's always um, a story and there's always something that everybody can learn from those stories like Ken kind of mentioned that 
his injury wasn't necessarily associated with CrossFit, but it was during CrossFit. So let's see if we can uh, start with Chris's injury. Yeah, sure. So um, 2014, uh, we had been here about six or seven months, had just moved to the area, had been in CrossFit for for a little bit by then, a little while by that time. Um, had really probably about three or four months prior, in fact, Charlie, you'll remember, really had started getting into the competitive aspect of CrossFit. Really hadn't done any competitive training before, which, you know, increased volume a lot. And in fact, Char- that's how Charlie and I really became really good friends was, I mean, we started doing this competitive program. Yeah. Isaac was, that's right. was running it at the time. And, um, you know, it really started my competitive journey, was, was, was looking for something a little bit more than just a casual CrossFit or so. Um, learned a lot, um, got stronger, got more fit. Um, but leading into that competition in 2014, uh, probably about a week before, I, I, I had some issues with my right elbow. And it's typical tendonitis, and, and you probably everybody in this room and everybody listening right now has felt that before just because we do so much pulling, right? And we do so much bar work and we're pulling a bar or we're pulling our body up over a bar. So I, I've got a, a case of tendonitis on my inside uh, on my inside arm. Nothing that I hadn't done before, but it was really bothering me and it was about a week out from the competition. And so um, I, I decided to, uh, to, to rest it as much as I could getting ready for this competition because at this point this was the biggest competition and really the first real competition that I was um, that, that I was going to compete in, so I wanted to do really well. Um, and, and actually went ahead and got a cortisone shot into it, which I'll tell you guys listening right now, that was the first mistake. Um, if you don't know anything about cortisol, it doesn't do anything to fix the, it just, it just masks the, it just masks the pain. So got that so it would feel good. Um, so essentially what happened, it was the first workout of the 2014 BCS games. It was six minutes to find your one rep max snatch. Um, at that time, I had, I, had, I had snatched 225. I was looking for 235. Um, didn't really feel my elbow too much in the warm-up area. I remember I hit 195 in the warm-up area easily. Probably easiest I've ever hit 195 for a snatch. Felt like I was ready to go. Um, got out there, hit 205, but it was. I remember something was off. Something didn't feel right. I was off balance or... You know, and I, I didn't do a full squat snatch. I did somewhere in between a half squat snatch and a and a full squat snatch. It didn't feel well. Piled up 225, and most people, everybody in here, seen the video, and I've shown the video to a lot of people. And the bar got away from my body. Um, I can go over. I can talk for another hour on on the mechanics that went wrong in that snatch. The bar got away from my body. My shoulders internally rotated. Then with that weakness that was already there in that elbow, that tendon just pretty much failed, catastrophic failed, and my elbow popped out of um, popped out of my popped out of popped out of joint there. Most excruciating pain I've ever been involved in. Um, went to the floor just just screaming in pain. In fact, in the video you can hear me scream. I never scream, you know, and you can hear me scream. And, and I dropped like a ton of bricks and then got medical emergency and, and, and got everything handled after that. So that injury, um, is there, now looking back, right? I mean, three years, man, what, what, what did you learn from that injury? Yep, yeah, I learned that I'm not 21 anymore. That was probably the biggest thing. Um, 
really I learned <clears throat> I, I learned about volume okay so I learned I learned that um, that there can be I'd always heard it before but there really can be way too much volume and I think although I had this issue with my elbow when I really with my elbow going into it when I really go back and I look back at my training leading up to that I was doing way too much volume rest days turned into active recovery days which turned into aggressive active recovery days which turned into full workout days which turned into I remember one stretch 28 days I went going to the gym and doing competitive style programming and so that um, that tendon was just a byproduct of that there were other things going on I, I can remember chunks of time leading up to that where I was like I don't want to be in the gym right now like I don't want to do this like it wasn't fun it stopped being fun so I really learned about for me learning about overtraining overtraining was was the key for that I didn't believe in rest days back then um, I thought I was I thought I didn't need them and being recovered but that was key so everybody knows you work out a lot so tell me what rest days look like now rest days are rest days <laughs> so when I when I say a rest day I switch my prior I switch my intensity to <clears throat> on Thursdays and Sundays are rest days now it's no longer um, um, it, it, it's no longer workouts the priority but I've also found too that if I do a rest day where I do a vegetative state where I don't do anything that almost hurts me so what I've done is I've really prioritized recovery and so whether that means spending 30 minutes, 45 minutes on the foam roller, whether that's going for a walk with the kids to Lick Park Creek, like Sunday nights, Kristen and I have decided, you know, recently that we go, we go walk with the kids at Lick Park Creek, you know, maybe that's a mile walk or something. Or whether that's something a little bit more detailed with cryotherapy, body work done, um, you know, even yoga at times, Ramwa, different things like that. So really placing a uh, priority on recovery and treating rest days exactly what they are rest days that's that's great and there's some people maybe listening that haven't been doing crossfit long enough to know what volume means like you know we're three coaches so we understand that terminology somebody crossfitting for a lot so give me a little bit more insight as to what you mean by volume like what you know is it volume on the microphone yeah, sure, <laughs> you know sure, sure. tell me what you meant by that yeah so so when we talk about volume we're talking about essentially amount of hours that you're working out Right. Most casual CrossFitters, and I did it for years before I became competitive, you know, it's about an hour, maybe an hour 20. Uh, after you've got there, you've warmed up, you've done the workout, and now you're cooling down. So maybe an hour 20, hour 30. So leading up to this injury, understanding that that hour and 30 had turned into three or four hours every single day for 28 days in a row, right? You know, three, and I still work out three or four hours a day now. But those rest days are, are, are strategically put in there to where they're exactly what they say they are, rest days. And they give that body time to recover and, um, and rest and rejuvenate and get ready for the, for the next day. And so now, how would you say, you know, some of the, our CrossFit athletes maybe are doing additional work on top of classes or now taking Luke's strength class, which yeah. is doing great, or... Um, just wanting to develop skills, you know. So how can you help people understand this concept of listening to your body and like maybe today might not be the best day to work on kipping pull-ups after class? You absolutely, know? absolutely. Um, that's a really good question. And so when I look back at mine, 
when I look back at my journey that led up to that injury, I realized that there were days when it didn't seem fun. It wasn't fun. Like, there's always going to be days where, like, man, I don't want to get to the gym, but once I get there, I'll, you know, once you get there and you get a couple sets under your belt, you're like, wow, yeah, okay, now I'm ready to go. But there were days in that 28-day stretch that I was talking about that I would get to the gym and I would hate every single part of the workout because every part of every piece of workout that I was doing, I, I, I just didn't like because my body was sore, my joints were sore, it wasn't fun, I was getting lower, you know, I wasn't doing as well in the workouts and it was because it was borderline miserable. And so I think that is a really good indicator, even for the casual person, right? If you're coming to the gym and you're coming here simply because, and you, you, you're coming here simply because it's not my rest day or I need to get this workout in, right? You know, otherwise, you know, I, I won't, you know, I won't feel good or I won't like, um, I won't, uh, I won't PR my back squat unless I come today. Um, if you start feeling that where it's not fun anymore, then, and it's not fun the entire time, then that's something, and you haven't taken a break for a long time, that's something you really need to watch, particularly as you get older. Right. I mean, as you get older, those rest days and recovery days are key. Yeah. Kend is, uh, as we kind of transition into your uh, injury, so what what year was that shoulder? And kind of give me some, rewind time a little bit, give me an update on where that was. Oh, I'll just piggyback on what's... Chris said, someone, a couple smart people said intensity over volume mm-hmm. gets you way fitter yep. or you're just your general crossfitter yep. versus, you know, the guy who's going to try to make the regionals going to have to do more, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I forget, man, I think it's 2012 is the, the first surgery on the right shoulder. My injury is not nearly as glamorous as Chris. <laughs> Where did it come from? Hoisting a snatch and getting broke, you know, while killing it, but. No, mine was over 20 years of unprofessional beer league softball, you know, playing outfield. And, and you know, I played with Ryan for a lot of years, Ryan Farrell. Shout out, Ryan. <laughs> there you go, Ryan. Another shout out to Josh and uh, Brittany downstairs. Get all your shout outs out yeah, now, Ken. Ken has a list of shout outs he's got to give. So. <laughs> well, I got to give a shout out to myself, but this is the only podcast I won't listen to. Because at least I get still get the shout out. Um, but, yeah, this is reckless. Abandoned with the softball, it's like diving for everything, just competitive nature. I want to win, always want to win, just whatever it takes, you know, just go for it. Uh, and then, you know, playing outfield, you're always throwing the ball hard. And then eventually my shoulders start hurting, and, you know, the right shoulder, and it was one with the rotator cuff in the labrum. And then I moved from left field to left center, still hurting more, starting to get weaker, I moved to right center. Still can catch everything, just can't throw as well, and then move to right, and it would be come down to like, all right, after they hit me one ball, I can throw it once really hard, and then I have to turn and look at the outfield fence and just cringe because it hurts so bad. And I was just like hide over there. It's like, just throw one real hard, and they, you know, okay, well, he can throw, so they won't, you know, most people don't hit it to right field unless they're left-handed or they're, you know, better players. Uh, And then I think I moved to second base, dabbled between second base shortstop I'm not shortstop sorry first base and even catcher it's like you don't have to throw you just go back <laughs> to the pitcher but still barely softball so it's, it's competitive don't get me wrong but it's fun but it just got to where I had to just quit so basically. when you started crossfitting was that injury 
Like, could you feel it during workouts? Or oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Every time? A lot of times. I mean, it was shoulder intensive workouts. I think, I don't know how long. I went a year or two. It was just constantly hurting. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go to the doctor. Michelle always gets on to me because I never would go to the doctor until it's just absolutely so necessary. So what, what led you to finally get surgery? It got so bad where I could, you know, I'd work out if it was a pull-up work or something shoulder intensive, but I'd have to take off for two or three days because my shoulder would hurt so bad. It would, every night I'd wake up, I don't know, three or four times. And not just because I'm waking up, it's just, it'd wake up because there was like pain and I could only sleep on my back without any pain and that didn't last very long because I was still, was heavier back then so I snored a lot, so. Uh, that didn't go over well, so I had to, <laughs> had to turn over. So. And then what was the comeback like from that? Comeback, well, I'm, if you have to face a surgery, and they told me, it's like, yeah, you can go to rehab. My sister's a physical therapist, and she's like, at your age, you know, re, you know, there's not that much blood flow through the shoulder, so like, you're not going to really do that well in rehab. It's probably not going to fix itself. You're going to spend a lot of time rehabbing to get probably nowhere. So, get it fixed, get a surgeon, take care of it. Um, so we, I did that route, I'm glad I did, even though the first month I had this sling and this you know, bumper in there and I couldn't do anything. I could, you know, the first month was just going to the rehab, you know, three times a week, you know. You couldn't even raise your hand above your head. It's, you know, if anyone's done that surgery, you know, you know, the first two weeks are pretty helpless, but, um, you know, I just started, you know, coming back to the gym or going and just like walking miles, lunging, air squatting, you know, just the bike, you know, just, you know, to keep coming back and doing something else and not just stopping altogether, not quitting coming to the gym, period. So, I don't know. How'd you reintroduce <clears throat> movements overhead and... I listened to, you know, my physical therapist. It's like, you know, Harry, you should wait this long probably before you should try barbell movements and I was you know I think I was just working with nothing I think the surgery was I remember it was January 31st and I didn't touch a barbell till probably June you know not even an empty barbell I mean there a lot of box step ups you know running I was eight uh, one arm wall balls got pretty good at 14 pound one arm wall balls there for a while uh, but yeah, I just, I, you know, when I finally touched the bar, it was it was just still real touch and go, and it feel like it. You know, it'd always be really sore after you did. I think I even started with the thirty-five pound bar, and it was I always worried myself I re-injured something. But of course, when you when the surgeons fix that stuff, usually they make it way better than it was. It's really hard unless you screw it up right from the get-go. It's hard to mess it up. But what have you learned? Uh, from that injury or from that surgery and, and since then? I'll just take time and, you know, do all the, you know, physical therapy. Like, go see those guys. Do what they tell you. You know, you tr I treated that like a wad of the day. You know, I go to physical therapy, you know, chat it up with the crew there and then they give you stuff to take home. It's like, go do this at home. It's like, they said, we'll do this twice a day. Every day you don't come here. And once a day when you come here, and I was, of course I did it four times a day. Mm. It's like every day. So. And have fun. you been able to come back 100%? Yeah. Way stronger than I was in 2012. No pain. No pain. That's awesome. 
yeah, it's completely better. So for me, um, you know, because you guys have, we got elbow, uh, shoulder, mine was back. Shoulders. Shoulders, yeah. Because, yeah, well, you had another, that's right, you had the other shoulder. Yeah. So when was that sh- other uh, shoulder surgery? That was 2014. Okay, April so, 4th. yeah, give me more on that one. That was just basically the bicep tendon, and there was some pain going on there. Just, I don't know what caused it. I mean, it was probably similar to the other shoulder, but no throwing with my left hand, so I can't. So what do you think caused that? Uh, Well, uh, according to the surgeon, he's like, uh, the bone spur, kind of like a, not a bone, well, it's kind of like a, if you think, picture throwing something tied to a rope over the edge of a cliff, and the cliff kind of comes back underneath, and the rope kind of blows in the wind, and it just kind of starts tethering the, the rope, you know, it just starts mm-hmm. breaking off little pieces at a time, and over time, it just finally splits. That's basically what my tendon was doing, it's like, it was kind of hanging over the bone spur and it was moving back and forth and finally it just just broke popped what made what led you to go in and get it checked out the pain the pain so it felt like it was not as bad as the right shoulder but it still hurt bad enough to where like something's wrong and i figured i might as well just start looking at it and then i had it scheduled for surgery before it even broke and then it broke like i had it scheduled for surgery on april 21st and it broke like march 28th and i had it uh, a visit like in February it's like something's wrong here and they checked it out so yeah you probably need to get that fixed and then what did that surgery and uh, recovery look like uh, it wasn't nearly as long as the other one it was only a, like a week and a half in the in the sling and I still had the sling from the previous surgery so I didn't have to buy a new sling but uh, it wasn't nearly as long it, I was back on a barbell and less than two months but not super heavy I mean still working up to where nothing hurt or if it was just sore recognizing the soreness from the previous where I freaked out on the right shoulder I didn't freak out on the left so I kind of expected all that so shoulders is something that has you know probably a lot of people have aches right like oh man my shoulders this and that at what point do you think some people might not know that they need to go get it checked out but at what point do you think people need to go get that checked out um you know, it was really causing me problems besides the waking up all the time because it hurts so bad at night. But taking like, say a three pound, like a jug of milk, and say you're standing away from the refrigerator and you have to extend your arm out with the milk and try to put it up on the shelf, you know, chest higher or higher, and then you can feel pain through the shoulders. Like, you know, holding the milk right at my chest, like a goblet squat is a problem. Extending away from the body, there was severe pain and it was like, then I'd have to like, you take my left hand under the elbow and you know, if you can see this, you can see <laughs> what I'm doing, but yeah, I mean, it's like, well, there's a problem. There's, you know, a lot of unstableness there. So. And so, um, when you came back from that second surgery, would you say that, you know, there was probably a process of getting back to where you had left off what, are you stronger now since even prior to that surgery as well? Did you ever fully recover? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, that surgery was three years ago. I mean, I think I finally, I got back fully from the first surgery in 10 months, or eight, nine or, nine or 10 months. It was, yeah, probably in November, so nine months in the first one. Full, back to full everything. And then, you know, the other one was only like, 
wasn't it wasn't that long. And do you do any special shoulder warm ups now? Do you think about shoulder warm ups more? You know, is there any proactive way people can approach? You know, I don't do anything special. I mean, other than what we do in the warm ups in my classes. I mean, I don't. You know, some band work sometimes, but I uh, started doing the bulletproof shoulder stuff. It seems to be helping. Uh, yeah. And that's downstairs somewhere. You know where it is. Josh is always on it. You'll yeah. see Josh. <laughs> What's up, Josh? <laughs> no, shout <laughs> out. Two shout outs to Josh. Yeah. So, <laughs> so for me, it was my back. I know exactly when it happened, kind of how it happened. 2010. I said, I know exactly when it happened. Then I'm going get. No, 2010 fall. <clears throat> I was traveling out to California for. Uh, a class on our management software that we used at the time and I went to Long Beach. So 2010, I'd been crossfitting at that time for a couple years. I was in love with it and then um, was out there for seven days because I spent two, three days in Long Beach getting my uh, that little management class and then I went down and got my CrossFit Kids certification in Ramona, California, which is at a place where they used to, where they started CrossFit Kids. And basically, seven days in California, and I probably dropped in like 10 to 15 CrossFit boxes and worked out. You know, I was just, I mean, it was just wanting to work out. And I remember exactly doing just heavy deadlifts multiple consecutive days. Um, I remember doing like a five by three at one gym, and then the next day doing 275 in a Metcon and, and just uh, didn't realize what I was doing, but it was just all that volume, all those reps, all that load, um, just bending over, over and over and over, and then uh, flying home, and then probably within a probably within a month, I realized, man, my back is always tight, and every time I worked out, my back was tight, and I had a foam roll. It felt like for. 20 minutes, 30 minutes just to be able to work out, you know, my quads, my low back, my um, glutes. And, and so that lasted for a lot longer. That actually kind of led me to start going to a chiropractor. I started going to a chiropractor around that time um, weekly, and that was helping. And to be honest with you, I think a large part of that was probably a weak midline, you know, starting CrossFit within a year and never doing any Olympic weightlifting or any um, overhead squats or any uh, as much squatting as I was. So weak midline led to that too. And then just exactly what Chris said, the volume, you know, CrossFit has, it's, you take your average person who signs up at a CrossFit gym who hasn't been doing anything, which happens all the time. And you're going to start doing a lot of volume. If you take today's workout, for example, you know, a hundred reps, shoulder to overhead, you know, um, you take, uh, you know, yesterday, depending on what their variation was for those uh, bar muscle ups, you know, and, and so you have, you know, a five, six day period where you're doing way more and it's challenging your, your low back specifically, but all your midline. And if those muscles haven't developed, you know, it's almost like forcing your kid who hasn't started walking to stand up and they just don't have the muscles to do it. So, um, so for me, that lasted, it honestly lasted probably two to three years. And I finally got to a point, and it wasn't that I couldn't work out. I could work out. It just, you know, I was uh, very hesitant. 
And finally, I got to a point where I felt like, man, I feel like my back doesn't hurt anymore. And it wasn't like it just happened it, like one morning. No, it was like over time, I think it just got better and better and better and better. And I got smarter and smarter and smarter. And uh, and then there was times that I hurt my back. You know, I think the biggest uh, thing that I've learned from that is how I, and I have to remind myself often is, but how I approach these workouts um, and what weights I choose and that, you know, for me, CrossFit and, and, and working out, if I'm not doing that, then I'm not able to be the best version of me, you know? And so by injuring myself or if I overdo it in a workout and I get hurt, well then that totally is gonna affect my passion, my, uh, my purpose, my drive, and, and it's not that I can't continue to do what I do, but ultimately me exercising, me working out, is a lot better than me not working out and just because I chose to do an extra five, 10 pounds on a back squat or just because I chose to go RX when I maybe shouldn't have. And so um, it's approach, it's, it's definitely in, impacted how I train clients. You know, I'm probably what you would call a more conservative trainer. You know, if anybody that I'm training says anything hurts, man, that's a light bulb. That's like, I'm going and asking tons of questions. I'm probably gonna watch that person closer. I'm probably gonna encourage them to go lighter. So it, it's affected me as a coach big time just because I don't want anybody getting hurt. Um, and I see people, you know, often trying to go harder than they should, you know? And, and so hopefully with this podcast, you guys are realizing and, and people listening that, you know, first of all, the fitness journey is not a three week journey. It's not a 30 day journey. It's gonna be a lifetime journey. So you've got three guys in here being in CrossFit almost, you know, cumulatively almost 20 years and we don't have any plans of stopping doing CrossFit and we're getting in better shape as we get older. Um, but I think it has to do with just how we approach our workouts today. So that's kind of what I'm gonna talk about now. What I wanna segue into is for you, Chris and Ken as coaches, how does, how does your age and where you are right now affect how you coach and how you, you know, handle some of your, your clients or athletes in your classes? I, I think for me, um... As someone who's been there, as someone who's been overtrained, as someone who's gone through injury because of the sport, um, I shouldn't say not because of the sport, because of my ignorance, not because of the sport. It wasn't sport that injured me. It was my ignorance. Um, and somebody that's gone through that rehab, I'm, I, I'm more on the, I'm way more conservative as a coach than I would be with myself when I'm looking when I'm looking at athletes. So I'm looking for those signs that I saw, right? I'm looking for somebody who's been in the gym, who's just started, and they're on the ninth day out of the last 10 days they've been here. Because, I mean, it grabs a hold of you, right? You, some people get the itch, right? And they come in here, and they love it, and next thing you know, they've been in here 14 days in a row or 10 days in a row or, or, or you know, sometimes longer, right? And so um, you're always looking for that as a coach. You're looking for any... Um, a lot of body language, a lot of body language. Someone who maybe somebody who you know is working out hard, maybe hit, be hitting that borderline. You're looking for that body language, the same body language that I that I was um, displaying right before I got hurt. Which the man, this guy's always or this girl, she's always a beast in here. And man, her body language like it's like she doesn't even want to be here today, or he doesn't even want to be here today. You know, he's but yet he's still putting on ridiculous amounts of weight on the bar. You know. Um, kind of looking at those indicators and being able, as, as someone who went through that, being able to spot those a little bit easier 
than than um, than than somebody else. And then I think you're always you're always looking for form breaking down. There's a certain point, right, where form's going to break down when we get tired, right? I mean, you know, we've all seen the circle and then the intensity or you know perfect technique in the middle and then the the safety of intensity around it and then the little plotting with the dots and everything like there, some of the form is going to break down um but you're really looking for when that form is when that back is rounded in a deadlift or when those knees are coming in in an overhead squat or when those shoulders are internally rotated in a snatch you know when you when that form is has really started to break down to where it becomes safe that's when it's really time to step in as a coach and basically, and I think Charlie, you've seen before, I've pulled plates mm-hmm. off of people's uh, bars before just mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it kind of goes back to what Ken said. I could, I could get somebody at the right intensity lying on the ground after a 10 minute workout with a PVC pipe or with 225 pounds on the bar. Either way, I can get them lying mm-hmm. on the ground if the intensity is there. So it really shouldn't matter, right, if there's, if you did, you did the um, you did the the workout RX right. Mm-hmm. You know that really doesn't matter. I understand that's important. Um, early on in my CrossFit career, that's all I wanted to do. I always wanted to do it RX, and I fell into that trap. And and you know, I, luckily I didn't get injured before that. But I will tell you guys right now, as long as I've been doing it and being a competitor, I still scale workouts. I scale the workout today that I had planned for me. Um, you know, and, and that's somebody because my, I knew my form was breaking down and it was getting ugly and it was, and it was, um, it it just, it just wasn't safe. So what's the difference if I did five muscle ups in the interview in in the interval or three muscle ups, or I did 195 pound snatch or 155 pound snatch and really focused on form. So that's where I've kind of grown through this, Mm -hmm. being able to say that and say, you know, Four years ago, before that injury, I would have muscled through that 195-pound snatch, or I'd have muscled through all those pull-ups, breakdown form, and everything. That's that's one thing that that I, that I've really learned. So yeah. so so anyway, the short of that being going through that experience has really kept me sensitive to it to the as coaches to the members. Ken, you got anything on that? Well, a lot of what Chris just said, but uh, if you're in my class, inevitably I've come up to you and asked you if you're okay. I'm always, I'm looking at people, watching them. If you don't look okay, I'll come and check. I mean, like, hey, I want to make sure you're not just going just to keep going because that's what you think is expected. You know, and I'll, and I'll kind of watch them, kind of always watching the form. Uh, and then what Chris said as far as going RX, like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Like, uh, I think Spieler was talking about it in his podcast, uh, Icon Athlete. So like just because you can do Fran, like I can do a thruster at 95 pounds and I can do a pull-up so I could do Fran right RX because I could do those two things but if it takes me 20 minutes then the stimulus is not there it just comes down to me standing around doing one thruster here and a pull-up there so if you've done Fran you need to be doing it under six minutes or you need to scale it I think like so and if you got if you see us a lot of times I'll write the stimulus on the board when I write it on the board. You guys may know who writes the watts on the board. By the way, they look <laughs> maybe, maybe not, but uh, I'll write that stuff on there. And like, so I try to tell you what, like, what you're looking for at this workout, not, not just to get it done RX. I mean, the, the, I fell into that cut a long time because oh, I'm doing RX now. I'm like, oh, I don't really need to do RX. It's going to take me way longer than it should. 
there's a time domain, I'll scale it down to make it make myself fit in the time domain if, if I can't do it RX. But um, so let's talk about that for a second. So when you say time domain, cutoff time. So like when the coach is right, or they have a cutoff time for a workout. For people who listening who don't know why they made them stop at 20 minutes or 12 minutes or 35 minutes, what do you mean by cutoff time and stimulus and maybe an illustration or example of a workout? So cutoff time, well, cutoff time is like we don't want you working past this time. You know, stimulus is we want a higher intensity for a certain amount of time or until you finished, but no longer than that. So constantly varied, you know, one workout will be five, you know, three to five to seven minutes in one day, and then next day it'll be eight to 15. Uh, so you want to be able to work at high intensity in shorter time domains, but you still have to modify, you know, like you have to learn to adapt and pace when you get to a longer workout. Like a lot of people will take Fran and they'll run that mile, not Fran, Murph, they'll run that mile in record time and they get back and they're huffing and puffing. If you run a, your record PR mile in, in Murph, you're probably going to be bad at Murph because mm-hmm. you got a lot more work to do. But, um, so, like, I think of an example on that is yesterday we did the 20-minute EMOM of calories on the assault bike, 10 for the guys, 7 for the girls, and the opposite end, 3 bar muscle-ups. If you sat on that bike and it took you – one minute to do six calories on the assault bike, which is very possible, especially if you're new to the sport, new to the gym, then you need to make a decision in that moment. And the coach probably would have talked to you and said, hey, we're going to take that seven for the ladies. Let's just say it's a female. Instead of giving you a seven calorie, we might give you a three calorie assault bike because we want you finishing that. We'll call it a cutoff time of 30 seconds. Because really, you should be able to, at a higher intensity, finish that and still have a little bit of time before you go to the for that workout. Now, you take our row 20-minute EMOM that we had with the jump ropes. Uh, 18 calories for the guys, 12 calories for the ladies. Those 18 calories were really hard to make in the minute. So there wouldn't be a 30-second cutoff, but that workout was intended to have you rowing for almost four, 48 to 55 seconds so um but if you could only get 15 in that minute then there might be a 50 second cutoff or if you're real close we might let you go that full minute and go straight to the double unders for max reps so um cutoff time and just to add to what ken's talking about help somebody listening understand is intended to have you do the workout in the stimulus like he said with the intensity that the the workout was intended to to uh provide for you and sometimes we look at that number and we think that's the expectation. And that, that's not always the case. It's more the expectation is to work hard for a specific amount of time. So if it is Fran, let's just say, and you can't finish it in six minutes RX, well, then we might scale your weight and scale your pull-ups so that you can and feel the intensity that's needed because a six-minute Fran compared to a 12-minute Fran is entirely different. Say my very first friend when I started here back in whenever it was. <laughs> it was the old days. Pounds and it was on the corner of Holloman in Texas. Mm-hmm. 65 pounds and the biggest green band we had. It was yep. like 13 minutes. So my and fr- I was dying. My first friend. Darren was laughing. 
My first friend was at my level one, May 2008, which was my first CrossFit workout ever. Uh, and I did the 21 thrusters and I couldn't do one pull up. And it was like the most humbling. And at that time, it was probably more frustrating. I wouldn't even use the word humbling probably at that uh, stage. I was just kind of frustrated with myself, disappointed. Actually, not frustrated, just disappointed, thinking to myself, man, I'm a personal trainer. You know, I would consider myself fit and I can't even do one pull up. And, uh, and I, so it wasn't even, I think, I don't even know what I ended up doing, maybe jumping pull ups or something like that. And then came back used a band. I think I did Fran every weekend for the next month. <laughs> Ripped my hands like crazy, learned how to kip, and then was able to do kipping pull-ups. Chris, what was your first Fran time, you know? Man, I think, yeah, I think it was in the, it was intense. I remember I did it, I started my first three months of CrossFit in the 24-hour fitness uh, in, in 2010. So I remember doing it with like, um, you know, the steel weights, right? And, 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 and I mean, everybody's looking at you like you're an idiot, like you're a tool, because you got these steel weights out there. You're doing this screwed up version of a thruster, which I, you know, I don't know what I, you know, what I was doing there. I had no business putting 95 pounds on there. And then if you remember, um, 24 hour fitness had like this big rig and it had, it didn't have a pull up bar, but it had like two handles, like two, 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 uh, two handles and then the, the middle was open and so you just had like this pull-up rig and the middle was open and I was trying to do these kipping things that were making the whole rig shake you know people were like looking at me like what is this <laughs> doing man I mean it was it was a disaster so let's kind of uh last kind of part of this podcast I think there's people listening that maybe have been doing CrossFit for you know a couple years maybe two to th- we'll call it two to five years and you know they're they're at this point they're kind of stuck you know, they, they still come and they, they love and appreciate the workout. But when it comes to getting better at some of the more technical movements that CrossFit offers, probably gymnastics, um, maybe the Olympic weightlifting, but more so the skills required, maybe even double unders or toe to bars or muscle ups, which is a big one, even chest to bars. And yeah, so let's let's kind of dive into that, you know, being because we're all, you know, in that kind of like, okay, we've been all been doing CrossFit so long, we all had to get our first one of all of those. Um, how can you? Uh, what, what what does that person need to do? You know, may, if they don't want to get their first muscle up, they don't want to get you know better at toes bar. That's one thing. But if they are sitting here listening, they're like, man, is am I ever going to get a muscle up? Am I ever going to get? to be able to string pull-ups in a workout together. Am I ever going to be able to do Fran RX, you know? Feels like I've been here for a couple years. <clears throat> what what can we say to the that crew? I think um, I think for me is you're going to have to spend a little bit of your own time. That that's number 1. We will give you the textbook. The coaches will give you the textbook, right? We will give you the guidelines in our skill sessions. We'll give you the guidelines and we'll give you the techniques and the tips and the, and the skill time we work out. But uh, when, when we do it during class, we'll give you the textbook. You have to read and study it. In other words, you're going to have to go and actually spend a little bit of extra time on your own to, to try to do these. I think I think I speak for everybody in this room here, right? You didn't learn uh, kipping pull-ups or you didn't learn muscle-ups or you didn't learn double-unders from just class instruction, right? I mean, everybody learned it or, or got taught it 
failed it because they couldn't do it, and then went on their own at some point and either did drills on their own or researched on the internet, but, but put in some time on their own. And it doesn't, I don't think it requires a lot. Like I was talking to one of our members the other day, and, and, and this person really wanted to get pull-ups. And, um, you know, I told I told a person, here's, here's what you can do. You know, gave her the textbook, and I said, here's what I want you to do. For the next month, I want you to do three times, after two or three times a week, I want you to do three times five of declines, and then I want you to do three times ten just to kip swing. So, so and, and, and I've done that with other people. And the people who have done that, They'll tell you it doesn't take a lot of time. It takes about maybe 10, 15 extra minutes before and after class. Um, within a month, within two months, they start seeing progression, right? I think where people get frustrated is they think that, you know, just by coming to class, which is awesome, right, that you're just even here. So don't want anybody to take this the wrong way. The fact that you even come consistently is awesome and you're so far ahead of the power curve of 75% of the public. But I think so many people think, they come here and they just go to the class. How come I haven't learned a pull up yet? How come I haven't learned a muscle up yet? How come I haven't learned double unders yet? You know, most of us aren't the Josh Godinez's and the Trents, right? The most of us aren't just naturally gifted athletes. I'm in that category, right? I have to work to, to learn everything. So um, most of people get frustrated, like how come I can't do that? Um, and, and, and I think the reasoning being is Spending a little bit of time, not a lot, not two or three hours a day, but a little bit of time on your own. Ken, what do you think? Uh, I, I would refer to Ben Bergeron's podcast right here. If anybody is listening, you know what a podcast is. Uh, go seek out Chasing Excellence. There's two podcasts in particular that are, yeah, I, would, I would listen to those two first. If you listen to only two of them, listen to these two. It's number 15, it's uh, Redefining Adversity talks about injury, overcoming injury, like getting an injury. He references Fikowski, how he had hip labrum torn. He couldn't do anything. His biggest weakness after missing the games two years in a row by just a couple points. Like he could have just crawled in a hole and, you know, been a pity party for a while. But he took that time where he couldn't do anything legs and he worked on his upper body because handstand push-ups was, kept him out. That's the one reason he didn't make it. So he became a you know, an awesome handstand push-up or he made the games. If you've been watching, you know what happened. The other one is uh, number 16 is uh, training with uh, intention. He talks about practice, training, and competition. It's like what he's like, most of the CrossFit gyms, everyone everyone comes to the class every day and, and they're competing like to get the top Waterfly score or whatever. Uh, like, like training is like or not training, but uh, practices. You know, that stuff you do under low heart rate. You guys have heard this podcast, yep. right? Low heart rate, <clears throat> low intensity. You're just working. It's like a, like going to the golf range. If you're a serious golfer, you go to the range, you take your five iron out. You're not, you're hitting every ball with, with purpose. You're, you're trying to just trying to get better each time. It's like every, every time you pick up a barbell, you shouldn't just reverse curl it. You should go through the movements of a clean like there's another rep, you can just get a little bit better. So practice low and you know low intensity, low heart rate. Then training is heavier loads, high intensity, but still with a focus on you know movement patterns, getting better, but not trying to win the workout. You know, you know you want to you want to go hard and be intense, but it doesn't matter whether you win. That should be. 
uh, and that comes to competitions. Competition is you're cutting all the corners, legal corners. You're not worried about you know uh, anything but trying to get the best score either versus the class uh, or yourself. Like if you have your own personal record at Fran, you're trying to. I mean, you're going. You may not quite squat deep enough on a thruster and call it good or whatever if you don't judge, but just, I mean, competition is flat out just trying to go as fast as possible, throw a form out the window, all that stuff. You're just trying to go for that low score. So those those two podcasts are something I would definitely want to encourage anyone to listen to you and all the rest of them too, but those two are, are really good. Uh, so to, to help people understand, you know, bringing these three concepts to life what chris is describing is practice you coming in putting in 15 20 minutes probably or maybe even 30 minutes of time during open gym maybe before class um i'll give a shout out to tilly benson here who was uh on the podcast a long time ago she used to work out with me one-on-one and then started doing crossfit now she lives in dallas she's going to smu law school and she wanted pull-ups like that was she wanted pull-ups and so I said, okay, this is what you're going to do. And sure enough, every single time she came in, she got to class 15 minutes early, got the band, worked on these movements that we talked about, worked on this exact rep pattern, rep scheme. Uh, and before you know it, I mean, she did pull-ups and she got them and that's practice. And then training would be, you know, anybody who did the EMOM yesterday with the bar muscle-ups, you know, it's like Ken said, there's a little bit of intensity involved, right? We're on the assault bike, but then we're going back to the bar muscle-ups. Hopefully... The coach, if you have bar muscle-ups, is giving you things that you need to think about because you're only doing three. Or, you know, Kelsey Crawford yesterday, she only did one and she got seven or eight of them, which was awesome. She got here, didn't even think she was going to get one. And But she her her focus on that EMOM for 20 minutes was, was get on the assault bike, do your seven calories, and then on the bar muscle-up, keep your legs straight. That's training. If she was going to try to do a, 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 an actual wad let's just say the open, and it has bar muscle-ups in it, that's competition. She's getting mentally ready to come up to the gym, the energy's high, there's a, you know, what was that? Eight, no, 10 minute AMRAP, snatch, bar muscle-up, awful, awful workout. (laughs) And that's competition. She is, I mean, and hopefully if you're doing enough training and practice throughout the year, when it comes to competition, you can perform better. And so what I will say this about those people who have been coming for two to five years and not accomplishing certain things is, my first question for you is why do you wanna get that? Why do you come to the gym? Why do you invest an hour of your time every single day to work out? And if I, if I asked you this question personally, and if I sat down with you, I guarantee you, we'd come to the conclusion that that has absolutely nothing to do with you getting a pull-up or a bar muscle-up or a higher back squat. So putting it all in perspective, I think it's important once we start getting these goals and kind of asking ourselves these questions, because what you have to be careful about yourself is you can easily be the reason that you are feeling defeated is because you want to do this one thing that maybe you haven't accomplished. And I don't know if you are going to, absolutely you can. But if you put all your focus on the achievement and you don't accomplish it, well now you feel like a failure. And so asking yourself the bigger question, which is why do you come to the gym? Okay, so now that you've identified your why, now that you've identified why you come to the gym, okay, now we can start talking about 
achieving that goal. And same thing with weight loss, you know. <clears throat> I want to lose 20 pounds by January 1st. Okay, so why do you want to lose 20 pounds? Well, I want to look better in No, that's not why you want to lose pain. I want to feel better. Okay, let's let's really identify. Doesn't mean I don't want you guys to get bar muscle-ups. Doesn't mean I don't want you to lose 20 pounds. But I think sometimes we put more emphasis on that than actually identifying. You're actually already winning, like Chris said, by coming to the gym. You know, you're you're actually ahead of 90% to 98% of the population when you step foot in this gym. And then the things that we're talking about, because you probably have that personality that you're very driven, you're very committed, and you've been coming for long and you see other people doing it, which is the beauty of CrossFit. There's a peer pressure associated with your desire to get better because now you see Kelsey Crawford getting bar muscle ups or you see, you know, this person, they just did Murph and they got all uh, their 100 chin to bar pull ups and last year they couldn't do one. So that pressure, which I appreciate, makes us better. It's competition. It's like business. You know, if you have, you know, let's say another CrossFit gym opens up, makes us all better. You know, 10 CrossFit gyms, well, we all better offer great programs or else the person who's not is actually going to fail. And same thing here, you have the mentality that you want to keep up with the competition. Now, you're not going to fail and get kicked out of the gym if you don't do something RX, but the, the principle is the same is you want to get better because you're still here. So first big thing is just try to identify why you're here. Try to really focus on that first. You know, with that being said, pat yourself on the back and remind yourself that you showing up is way better than you not being here. And then take what Chris said and what Ken said and actually start doing something, right? Because you have to have action. Chris made a great point that immediately what I thought about is church because you can go to church every Sunday and you can get bits and pieces of the Bible. I mean, arguably, you go to church long enough, you're going to get pretty much almost a little verse here, a little verse there from just about every book in the Bible. But if you really want to understand, if you really want to understand what that chronological story is all about, and I, th- I thought about it as Chris was sharing because Chris is currently reading the Bible from very beginning to end, and, and he's doing that because he wants to understand, he wants to learn, he wants to grow, he wants to... So, he yes, being at church just like any person that works at church would be like, man, you are awesome for coming. We're so glad you're here. But he wants more. So he decided that he's going to wake up maybe a little bit earlier. I don't know what time of day he's doing it. He's gonna at read. night, actually. Oh, at night. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going to read. He's going to spend, what, maybe 15, 20 minutes. You know, he might miss some days, which is fine. And, you know, but he is doing more than just going to church on Sunday. And I think that is exactly what we're talking about here that if you have those goals if you have the desire to achieve something more put in the extra work right figure out what that looks like talk to one of these coaches because they all know so much about exactly what it is that you're trying to accomplish same thing i remember when i first wanted to start reading the bible i didn't even know where to start right it was 2011 i had no idea and I went and asked Pastor Will, and I said, hey, what should I do? And, and I'll never forget this advice because it's probably the best advice I've ever gotten when it comes to reading God's Word. And he said, Charlie, just start with Matthew. And I thought, man, that's the New Testament, first book in the New Testament. And I was like, wow, that's okay. And I didn't even know what it was. And he, he just kind of really did a great job of explaining it to me. But he was a coach, right? He was somebody who knew more than me. And then I literally started there, and he encouraged me to read the next three 
books following that. And you never, I mean, you just never know where it's going to go. If you talk to Josh or if you talk to Chris, talk to Candy, say, hey, 15, 20 minutes of skill work on a pull up, man, that could end up in a ring muscle up in two years, right? But just keep coming, keep, keep um, desiring to get better understand why you're doing it and so i mean you guys have been awesome ken chris thank you guys for coming podcast is there any last words or closing thoughts that you guys might have or shout outs that you might want to get <laughs> i forgot to shout out chris and julie anderson chris oh there you go yeah, yeah awesome yeah i was gonna say i just want to give a shout out to our owner man i mean there is um to the owner to charlie the stuff he does here, and I know all you guys listening can appreciate this, especially if you travel and go to other CrossFit gyms. The amount of work and the amount of passion that he puts in, just by having these, just this podcast is a great example of that. Um, that is unlike anywhere I've ever been before, and, and I know all you guys appreciate that, but I, I just don't think we can say it enough. Um, you know, on behalf of the community, you've got the coaches, the community, Charlie. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the gym. Um, and thank you for just being a light in everybody's life, man. You, you, you've done awesome. Yeah, I would definitely encourage if you travel, go drop into other gyms and see what you get. I've dropped into uh, at least 10 or 12. Big name CrossFit in Madison when we went to Sherwood Games. That guy had a huge passion. He hit it great. That was the best coach I've ever dropped into. Enjoyed that, the heck out of it. But if you go drop into other gyms, you'll, you'll see that we, we got it pretty good here. Thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Building Better People podcast where you will hear more stories of individuals being positively impacted by living a healthy lifestyle.